Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart women who really love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne journalists Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello. Coming up on today's show, Chris Pratt is engaged after being single for what feels like about two minutes, so why in the world do we care? Plus, the influencers abusing their power for no good, and the Ultratune ads and Gillette ads we are finally ready to talk about and fight back on. First, Michelle, how was your week? How was my week? I had a few mechanical issues, but I feel like that's just a running theme in this podcast. Like literal mechanical issues? Mm-hmm. I don't even want to talk about it. It's you annoying. You should go to Altitude to get them fixed. Oh my God, stop. No, we'll get to that later. Yeah. What else? It was my anniversary with Mitch this week. It was our three years. You're rolling your eyes. I, I get it. I did that. I get it. You've been in a relationship for like double that time. Yeah, it's a competition. Oh, I do have a recommendation of a movie. Okay. So on our anniversary night, Mitch and I made an impromptu trip to Hoyt Cinema and went and <laughs> watched Bohemian Rhapsody. Good? Yes. Really? Incredible. I never wanted to see it. It was never something that caught my attention. I knew that it had obviously won awards recently and that the acting in it had been really championed as brilliant. It was Amazing. Because it's also not on my radar either. No. I know it's something that if someone sat me down in front of it, I would absolutely watch it. Or if it was on like a plane or something, I'd probably click onto it when you've got 14 hours ahead of you. But it's never been on my radar. It was a delight and it was 100% better than A Star Is Born. And I loved A Star Is Born. I thought that movie was fantastic. This movie was – and this is the thing, right? So when you recommend a movie to someone that you actually think is incredible – you don't want to oversell it because then you don't want that person completely. to walk into the cinema with completely different expectations to what you had because I had nothing Which is part of in. the reason why you think it was so good. Exactly. That said, yes. it is one of my favourite movies ever. Really? One of it, – it was just such a joy. It was so entertaining. I left feeling so great and just – happy and singing and Mitch and I looked up all the old videos of Queen that they replicated in the movie. There is something great about going to a movie and then liking it so much or consuming something and then liking it so much and going and doing like your Wikipedia search after and your Google search after. I have deep dived so deep. I want to take you back a bit because I feel like there might be an unpopular opinion um, hitting around about the use of the word anniversary when you're not married. What? I reckon I'm funny about it. What? You're not 70. How? I don't, that, the, my, the only issue I have with the issue that I'm raising is I don't have a solution. I don't have another word for it. Are you a Zara jet lag level of grumpy again? Not at all. I'm not even grumpy. I'm in a great mood. Okay. That I sounds think, interesting. I just, uh, generally cynical. Out of all the things to have a problem with in the world. No, no, no. I don't have a problem. I'm just raising it as something that could be a problem. Okay. I would love to hear what people think. I would love to hear about your week, please. Um, my week was great. <laughs> Rarely are first week backs that good, but for those who have been playing along at home since the very start, they will know that Michelle and I have been doing this podcast. We started doing this podcast while working full time. Yes. And Michelle, <gasps> are we telling the listeners? Yeah. Well, why are things secrets? Oh my God, I'm so excited. No secrets, yeah. Zara's got news. She's pregnant. <laughs> I did this to you last time. I am not pregnant. <laughs> I am nothing of the sort. And Michelle left for freelance, what, like six months ago? Yes. And I have been, I think that's what I've kind of forgotten to mention over the last six months whenever we sort of jump in front of these microphones is that my weeks are good but they're also consumed by nine to five work um and I quit my job this week yay so in little four weeks, mini applause in the background it will be us doing this full time which is great because we've just become the world's biggest masochists we sort of kept adding to our workloads <laughs> when time wasn't stretching yeah so it got a lot I saw a um, post in the Facebook group the other week which I did appreciate it was a compliment and somebody said can we have more than like two episodes a week and I was like do you want me to drown <laughs> like do you want me to die we have a newsletter two episodes like three social channels and I'm trying to do this while I'm working full-time I'm so excited and I've been bullying you into this for what feels like six months it's I left true. my job on July 19 and since that day I've basically been in your ear being like just quit it quit speaks, your job. It speaks to our personalities a lot because I am probably a little more um cautious yeah I was gonna say <laughs> meticulous but you went for the harsher <laughs> word um as for things I consumed I hardly consumed anything this week and I think that is important to note because we can be overwhelming in our recommendations and some people can think 
this is too much. Um, but sometimes we don't have time either. The one thing I would listen to this week, and I think you will love it, Michelle. I really, really do. And you're going to think it's random. Um, when I want to sort of really calm myself down and maybe go to bed, I will listen to an episode of Desert Island Discs. <gasps> love Desert Island Discs. There is nothing that sort of centers me more or really makes me calm. That and a, gl- a cup of tea, I'm set. And I stumbled upon last night an episode with Judy Murray, which is Andy Who? Murray's mum. What? Andy Murray, the tennis player who has just retired. Yeah, no, I know. She is a delight and I think I loved it so much because Judy Murray obviously is one of the world's most famous coaches now, tennis coaches, and she was painted for a very long time there as a very pushy, hard-assed mother for no reason and I think the tabloids pictured her as that because she was always in his box and I think there was so much sort of deep-seated internalized sexism about her role in that family Mm. and I listened to this interview and I thought why in the world had I had these sort of really misguided preconceived notions that she was an iron woman and she was the opposite like an absolute delight and I just thought the timing because of the open the timing because Annie Murray might retire it was just great it was there's so much good in it Amazing. I will actually listen to that. I know, you give yeah. me a few recommendations. They're often pretty mediocre, but this Super one I'll take rogue. on board. <laughs> anyway, let's actually get into the show today because we are starting where a lot of our conversations in the Facebook group started this week, which is with Chris Pratt. And Anna Faris and his new wife or fiance, whose name I've forgotten. Catherine Schwarzenegger. Oh, yes, that's right. Literally one job. (laughs) (laughs) So for anyone who missed it, Chris Pratt and Anna Faris, obviously two Hollywood stars. They were together for nine years. They've got a beautiful son, Jack. They were the definition of couple goals, right? Everyone was talking about Anna Faris and Chris Pratt as being the ultimate Hollywood couple that somehow managed to maintain some kind of normalcy in the bizarre environment that they're in. However, their divorce was finalised last year and hearts broke all over the world. And four months later, Chris Pratt has announced that he has already moved on and proposed to another woman. In fairness, Anna Faris was dating somebody about three months after they announced their split in August 2017, which is a fact people like to omit when telling this story. Mm. I have to say, though, I'm acting like this high and mighty high horse, I'm a good guy person in this conversation. But when this was posted in our Facebook group, my first comment was not very articulate. I think it was something like, OMG, am I judgy or is this fast? (laughs) It is fast. And that was what my gut said. And I wasn't going to ignore my initial core reaction. Mm -hmm. I should never trust my initial reaction. (laughs) I always need time to simmer on things to work out why I'm feeling, why I'm feeling. Because I think it is an innately judgmental thing to think that straight away. Yeah, but it's also human. Exactly. I think if we're talking about how quick is too quick, we need to take into account as well who ended a relationship and who was broken up with. So this is something that's going on in my personal life right now. There's a couple of people who have broken up. I think it's been breakup season over Definitely. summer. Been breakup season. There's one particular couple where they've split up and now the conversation is, is it too soon to move on with someone else? And I think it really depends. If you've done the breaking up, the onus is on you to hold out for a little while. You can't break up with someone and two seconds later get into a relationship. It looks, you're rolling your eyes, but it looks dodgy. If you got broken up with, fuck it, move on as quickly as you want. You've had your heart broken. There are no rules. Okay, a couple of things. That scenario is so unlikely because the person who did the breaking up is going to be the one that's more likely to move on. For sure, because they are the ones that have already processed this for months. I get it rationally. I'm not interested in being rational. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad this is a podcast of feelings, not logic. <laughs> um, I think I I have been thinking about this a lot because I was obviously projecting, right? I was projecting in that scenario that I would hate that if I split from my partner um, that two months later he was off dating someone very seriously. It would hurt. Why would anyone lie about that? But the thing that I didn't think of is I would also hate if I did split amicably from a relationship and was the one to find someone very quickly. I would hate for people to think that I lacked decency or respect or tact because sometimes these things happen. I think it's stupid to assume it couldn't be any of us. I think we have these projections and then don't think, what would happen if you left a relationship and then very soon after met someone? Well, I think I'm bringing my past history back into yeah, this. as because one person, but not the other player know, in the game. I know, but when I was about 20, I was dating this guy for about six months and we broke up and I'm not kidding. It would have been two days later 
he was official with another girl on Facebook. That's too fucking quick. That's like, too quick because that's obviously well, what was going on while we were talking. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just think it's a bit quick. Like if I've had a half-eaten packet of Savoy's in my cupboard for longer, it's too quick a it time span. It says more about the Savoy's than it does the relationship. <laughs> Alex Carlton wrote a great piece um, for women this week that did see me sort of do a massive 180 on my initial reaction to this relationship. And um, one of my favourite quotes from the piece was, we need to stop being so tediously puritanical about divorce and repartnering because it eats into some deep-rooted fear and insecurity that we have about ourselves and our own relationships. I think this is the crux of the issue in that nobody wants to be the one looking on as an ex gets with somebody very quickly. But then nobody considers that it actually could be them doing the moving on very quick too. True. I think in this specific scenario with Chris Pratt and Anna Faris, we also need to keep in mind that according to plenty of reports and rumours, his religion has intensified or his spirituality has intensified over the past few years. And that was speculated to be the major reason that he and Anna Faris, who is not very religious at all, parted ways. So... If that happened and if they grew into such different people, I wouldn't mind betting that they've split up. They have no interest romantically in each other. They're really bonded and linked by their son. And maybe it is fine. Maybe they literally called it quits at the very, very end when they had nothing left for each other. Which side are you on? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I I do think the Hillsong thing is important here, right? Because I agree, even even if it's just publicly, he is becoming more publicly... um, vocal about his religion even in his sort of engagement post he was very vocal about his religion and I think the Hillsong thing is important because uh, people that are super involved in religion and super devoted to religion do live on a different scale or sort of timeline to us um, Justin Bieber and Haley Baldwin are probably the same we can joke about celebrities going too fast but I don't think we can really begrudge them their religion when it is that that's informing these decisions yeah I think in the case of Chris Pratt I understand I think in the majority of cases it's not cool to move on this quickly. However, in this specific occasion, I'll give him a pass. Okay, so he gets a, a veto. Of, a little bit of a fence sitting here. I do want to finish by quickly flagging um, or talking about Anna Faris's response to the engagement, which I found very interesting. Um, when he posted on Instagram about the engagement, her comment was one of the top ones, which was something like, congratulations, so happy for you both, which I hate in this day and age, she kind of had to comment that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the narrative would go completely off track. Yeah, otherwise the narrative would be broken family, poor Anna. Everyone would be pitying her and she doesn't want pity. She's perfectly successful and fine. It's sort of the lesser of two evils because in this scenario, people are very cynical, are very much sort of disbelieving of her overwhelming support but thinking she just wants to be public publicly supportive but I don't think she has another option no god no I didn't find any problem in her response whatsoever no I didn't either anyway you're sitting on the fence I've done a 180 I'm so glad we're consistent in our opinions Warner I totally forgot you go here what are you talking about uh I'm sorry are you here to see me no silly I go here you you go where Harvard law school You got into Harvard Law? What, like it's hard? And now it's time for the quick and dirty. You guys know the drill. Every week we run you through the top celebrity news stories that you may have missed while you were busy having your life or living your life or leading your life. I don't know what one we're going to go for, Zara. Any of the above. I do not discriminate. (laughs) Number one on my list. Are you ready? Because I'm jumping in the deep end with my favorite story of the week. Ooh, big expectations here. (laughs) Welp, there it is. Chappelle Corby has won the 10-year challenge. That is from Pedestrian. The 10-year challenge. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I didn't do it myself just because I don't I don't know. I, can't, I don't think I even have photos of myself from 10 years ago. They're all on like a MySpace void somewhere. I didn't do it, but I did enjoy seeing other people's 10-year challenges. I will comment that there were a few celebrities – like Jessica Beale, who I do think potentially did the 10-year challenge to prove that they have not only aged but got more attractive over the years. Absolutely. I think there was a great piece on um, the Sydney Morning Herald yesterday from Natalie Riley who wrote that basically that whole idea that it's it, celebrities ruined the 10-year challenge by basically using the entire exercise as a massive humble brag. Like, look how far I've come. I don't look any different. Um, Not only I don't look any different, I look better. Yeah, well, why do we think that is? Yeah, okay. Money equals needles (laughs) equals face going backwards. Um, (laughs) Chappelle Corby, though, did the great 
did a great post on Instagram saying something like, uh, it's been a rough patch and there's just like this photo of her in jail and then this photo of her on the beach. Yeah. And then my, my favorite part of the whole thing was her hashtag. So she said, been a rough trot, better now. Hashtag turbulent, hashtag 10-year challenge, hashtag no shit. <laughs> I think that's almost as good as Chris Jenner's hashtag last week. It's like turbulent, the understatement of the century. Mm, very, very true. Number two, that's awkward. The Today Show sports reporter Tony Jones is caught reminding himself to be nice and happy in a live TV gaffe. That is from the Daily Mail. I miss this. So did I. What is it about? So Tony Jones, for context, is the one that got into all of those awkward scenarios with Beck Judd, which adds a layer of importance to this story. Um, If you have not seen the awkwardness (laughs) with him and Beck Judd, all you have to Google is Tony Jones and Beck Judd on YouTube. It's very funny. Doesn't everyone call him Chompers because he's got veneers? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I think that's a football world thing. (laughs) Anyway, apparently he was caught on his very first day in the job on the Today Show as he's about to sort of like do his thing, being like, all right, nice and happy. Oh my God. And then launches in, which reminds me of you before we do this podcast every yep. week, which is, righto, let's do it. Or like, I shake podcast mode. Yeah, before we record, I always like shake my body out as if I'm shaking off all the stress of the day and I'm ready to sit down and be happy. You're jumping into your fake persona, which is podcast, Michelle. No, once we start recording, yeah, I'm fine. normal persona. I just thought that was very funny because it's Tony Jones. I don't think I'd find it was funny if it was anybody else. Poor Tony. Um, number three, why are capitalized for reference? <laughs> Megan's clothes always creased. Expert claims that the Duchess's wrinkled wardrobe is down to poor choice of fabric and she should opt for more knitwear like Kate. Daily Mail. Oh, I would never have guessed that that was the Daily Mail. Thank you for telling me. This was my... <laughs> what an important news story. I'm so glad that they reported on this for us. Why did you make me put this in? Because I just think it's ludicrous. Like they literally got an expert. I'll put quotations around that. I don't know what type of expert you need to be to comment on choices of fabric that the Duchess is wearing. They got an expert to talk about what types of clothes she should be wearing and why the clothes that she's wearing now are creasing in photographs. This is almost as good as the body language expert that tabloids sort of employ every time there's a story to work out. That, like, do Megan and Kate like each other? A body language expert weighs in. And it's like, awesome. I am no closer to the truth. No. Well, yeah, apparently she needs to wear more knitwear. Poor Megan. She cannot do anything. She cannot do anything without being criticised. Absolutely not. Number four, I think this is my second favourite story of the week. Cash me at the bank. Bad, I cannot read this. Bad Barbie lands a 900k beauty deal. That is from page six. Bad Barbie, but her <laughs> rapper name is B-H-A-D-B-H-A-B-I-E. Bad Barbie. Are you not cool with it? No, I'm very cool with it. Anyway, this is the cash me outside chick. There's only one of you that's landing a $900,000 deal, and I know that it's not Zara McDonald, it's, it's Bad Barbie. It's Bad Barbie. <laughs> a $900,000 beauty deal. God, it pays to be outrageous in this world. I'm completely fresh to this story. So, number one, do you want to explain to me? Well, maybe explain to the listeners. I know who Bad Barbie is. Who is Bad Barbie? Sarah McDonald. So, Bad Barbie first appeared on um, Dr. Phil. And she was the one that kept saying over and over and repetitively, cash me outside, how about that? Now, I wish I really didn't say that on the microphone, but I had to. And I don't think I said it very well either. Anyway, she just landed a $900,000 deal. And we're talking US dollars. So this would be well over a million dollars in Australian money as the new face of copycat beauty. So it makes sort of factory price alternatives apparently for products from popular brands like Stila and Anastasia Beverly Hills. I don't really get what they do, but whatever. That is basically going to set her up for life. Wow. There was a conversation on um, our Facebook group about this as well. And, you know, it was predictable in its people saying, is this just a gross indictment on what our world looks like right now? And then somebody else said, unpopular opinion she's not a terrible rapper so i will obviously be googling her rapping after this lots of people love her i remember reading i watched one of her uh music videos on youtube and i scrolled down to the comments and everyone was having this identity crisis being like wait is bad barbie good now like is is she she talented is she good she's pretty good i i mean i'm not the authority on what makes a good or bad rap no you're definitely not it sounds weird even saying rap because i'm the whitest person in the history of the world but 
yes, the majority of people on her music video were hating themselves for enjoying it. I remember when she sort of had some concerts, I think it was in the US, and I was reading all of these blog posts from mums being, like having their own crisis, wondering whether they should send their daughters to this concert. Because Not least because her name is Bad Barbie. <laughs> Number five, our final story for the week. Another good one, I think. Why am I trending? Cardi B's Trump takedown goes viral. That is from news.com. Did you watch it? Yeah, I did. And I loved it. So did I. It has millions of views. If you aren't across Cardi B, she is another rapper slash musician from the US. And she doesn't typically report or comment on uh, political issues. But yesterday on Instagram, just went absolutely viral for her thoughts on Trump. And I think the reaction here was actually really interesting because it was a really entertaining, funny video at the same time as really harshly critiquing his new desired wall project. Well, basically the government's in shutdown and it has been for weeks. So a lot of government employees aren't being paid and won't be back paid over this period. And they're expected to go back to work without pay, which is obviously a huge, huge, huge issue. So Cardi B went viral. What I really want to talk about is that viral video was then picked up by uh, mainstream news publications and mainstream television networks like Fox, CNN, everything in the US. And what I really didn't like is that so many white male politicians watched that video on set and giggled at it and kind of played her down to be some idiot who should never comment on politics because she's speaking in her own characteristic way. And that felt really racially powered that Mm. these white people, often politicians, often conservatives, were looking at this coloured woman on the screen speaking how she's always spoken and saying you can't have an opinion on politics, which I I think is just so charged with so many different factors that I'm upset about because like, she's allowed to say whatever she wants and it's working. She's reaching millions of people. I was going to say she has so much influence, especially on social media, and it made headlines. It was There's something interesting about when someone like Cardi B has an opinion on something. There's this undertone of it being a quote-unquote rant that it is ill-informed or charged by emotion and not logic, which is which couldn't be – be further from the truth. I mean, I know when Brooke Boney went on the Today Show this week and sort of gave her very measured, very um, sort of pared back opinion on Australia Day, it was also met with headlines calling that a rant too, when mm. neither was. It was just two women giving their opinions on very important political topics of the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And Cardi B did respond to a lot of the reactions that she was watching. She was watching these news channels as all of this was was going down and actually posted another video to basically say, I can say whatever I want. If you don't like my perfect English, then that's not my problem, but I'm reaching millions of people and I'm the one going viral. So what does that say? Which I think was brilliant. I agree. Hey, that's all I've got for the quick and dirty today. Thank you so much. So Zara, if there's one thing we love talking about other than pop culture and Instagram and celebrities, it is definitely skincare. It definitely is. Our obsession with goos and potions for our faces has reached quite ridiculous heights. And that's why we're so excited to be partnering with our friends at Tribe Skincare this week. We've been using Tribe products since October and can't get enough of their sensitive skincare line, which is specifically formulated with redness and eczema prone skin in mind. Exactly. I have been prone to redness and dryness in the past but using their gentle balm cleanser, and I had never used a balm cleanser before, has made my skin look clearer, healthier, and glowy. And I don't think I'll ever go back to not using a balm cleanser. You do look quite radiant today. Thank you. (laughs) I also love their cleanser. More than anything, though, I can't go past their day moisturizer. It's got SPF to give you that extra kick of sun protection. And then their night moisturizer is formulated to hydrate your skin while you sleep. Right now, Tribe is selling trial kits for you to try out their range with free express shipping so you can get a taste of what everyone is raving about. See Tribe's amazing before and after results by heading to their Instagram at Tribe Skincare or by visiting their website www.tribeskincare.com.au. Thank you so much to Tribe for sponsoring this episode of Shameless. 
Two famous women sparked the same conversation this week. How much do influencers do out of the goodness of their heart and how much do they do for a big cash injection into their bank account? First, there was Australian influencer Ashley Bynes, who is selling Ultimate Girl Weekends away to her most loyal fans for up to $2,300. Then there's Caroline Calloway, an American influencer who went viral this week for selling tickets to what she called creativity workshops for $165 US a pop. Zara, both of these stories sparked a unique kind of reaction from the public this week. Why is it that the public reserves a special kind of hatred towards women like Ashy and Caroline? Very good question, Michelle. There, I think to start where I do want to start today is there, there feels like there's this innate knee-jerk universal reaction that surrounds these stories that assumes that they are some frivolous, fluffy women stuff. Um, I don't think they are, especially with stories around Caroline Calloway, when that Twitter thread went viral um, about her being an alleged scammer for being ill-prepared with her creativity workshops, that people were wondering why this was such a big deal. Why do people care about it? It's not life or death, but it does matter. This kind of thing does matter because I think when you are talking about influencers or people with influence, um, and we're talking about them and money and then young women, we've got ourselves a massive issue on our hands because sometimes it feels like a young kind of pyramid scheme. There is bad business that goes on that exploits young women who are invested in said influencer because there's no one around to tell them not to be because it's such an unchecked platform. Now, I'm not saying either Ashy or Caroline are actually involved in pyramid schemes, but I think it's a conversation we don't have that often around influences money and then young women. I agree. And I think often these conversations are put down to woman bashing. Oh, and completely. that is something that is a criticism that has been leveled at us before that anytime we critique rampant anyone women shaming. Rampant women shaming <laughs> is something that we've heard before. Which um, I really strongly disagree with. I think it is very important to think critically about the forces that shape our behavior and our culture and I think it's really valid to look at women who have made money off their followers and examine what they're doing and why they're doing it and how they're doing it. This is not woman shaming. This is looking at a business, two businesses, Carolyn Calloway's business and Ashy Bynes's business. These women chose to put their faces on the front of the business. They chose to make their business their names and for that reason we have to critique their names themselves. We're not critiquing the women, we're critiquing their business practices. And I think it's also important to to know that when we talk about women in these scenarios, of course there are men that do the same things, but when we're talking about our specific experience and our sort of our own sort of world, that it is women selling women a lifestyle. Like that's kind of the Instagram world that we're talking about, that you're not just selling them a product, you're selling them an ideal. You're selling them a complete lifestyle. You do X, Y, and Z and you can be more like me, which is very prevalent on the platform. Yeah, they're selling them hotness and happiness, right? Uh, For anyone who did miss the Caroline Calloway story, I will give you some background. She's 27 and she grew a massive online audience when she studied in the UK at Cambridge University. So she became really known for these very lyrical, long narrative style captions yeah they're like fairy tale like almost yes so she became really well known for them particularly love stories that she would write about different boys that she met while she while she was at university i think with caroline calloway the reason people are so angry is because she made huge promises and asked for huge money with zero preparation so she went in and basically said i'm going to do a tour of these creative creativity workshops i'm going to have dozens of people attend and buy tickets without ever organizing an actual event location Mm. without ever organizing the things that she promised so she promised uh little gardens in mason jars flower crowns handwritten letters provided lunch and she sold these tickets with those promises so you opt in 165 dollars, which for some women might be a full weekend saturday and sunday working retail and then she failed to deliver on any of those promises and also failed to give people the adequate amount of time to get a refund back which is 30 days 
so that people who did buy tickets who then had their shows cancelled because she wasn't prepared and couldn't find a space couldn't get their money back. So people were referring to this as Fire Festival too, which was that well-known festival that fell apart because it wasn't actually planned very well. And there was a lot of debate about whether an influencer like Caroline Calloway, who charged her followers a certain amount of money and did not deliver, can be referred to as a scammer. And I do find this idea very, very interesting in that does it matter if you have good intent if your execution is bad and can you therefore be called a scammer? I don't know if scam is necessarily the right word, but I I still think the conversation matters. I think we can say scam. Can we? I think she's not a scammer, but the business that she's running True. was borderline scamming people. I guess because when you're talking about a scam, you're talking about an illusion and yes. this is an illusion. And you cannot ask for money from people. Like this is so important. People's money is so important. Yeah. Not everyone has the same amount of money, particularly not as much money as Caroline Calloway has or Ashley Bynes has. To ask someone to hand you their hard-earned money that they've worked for is a massive commitment. And if you haven't organized before that time when you've asked people to hand over cash, you are scamming them. This is the issue that I have. And I think this is a conversation that has no one is really having, right? When we're talking about money and young women, because I agree with you, the minute you ask someone for money over Instagram or over that kind of platform, you need to be very careful about what you're delivering because the chances are the young women that are on these platforms aren't being um, held into check about what they're spending on. I think the reason that we started this podcast is because Instagram and influencer life feels like a very murky world where quote unquote adults don't really understand what's going on. So you've got these young girls who are opening their wallets and shelling out money when nobody's keeping them accountable on what they're shelling out money for. So it's up to the influencer or whoever it might be to make sure that they are taking money in a good and very responsible way. Mm. So Ashy Bynes on the other side of this did get a bit of backlash, I suppose, in different channels, probably not in her own channels because her own social media channels are very heavily curated to be pro-Ash. Mm. So any negative comments have historically been removed and blocked. Any uh, critical pages of Ashy Bynes or critical Instagram accounts have been removed and often the admins have been taken to court. So she didn't have this on her own pages, but in private channels and in little corners of the internet, there were very upset people at the thought that Ashy Bynes was making tens of thousands of dollars from an ultimate girls weekend away. What do you think about this? I genuinely don't have an issue with it. Mm. Genuinely. I mean, that's not to say that I've never had an issue with anything Ashy has ever done because there are certain reports that have surrounded her business that I've struggled with, namely her um, taking money from young women and not paying them back, namely her uh, alleging to have cured a follower's cancer, sort of. Um, there are things that I struggle with, but an ultimate girls weekend away, sure, 2300 is a stupid amount of money, right? And you are taking these women away for five days. But for a lot of these women, and we did speak to one, you did speak to one, Michelle, this was a once in a lifetime opportunity for them. And sure, it might not be the weekend away that I necessarily want, but it fulfilled everything that they expected. It fulfilled everything that they promised. Sure, they might be selling something that I don't believe in, but I'm not going to begrudge someone for going yeah. or Ashy for even d- deciding to capitalize on that. Exactly. Exactly. So this is the thing. As much as we want to criticize Caroline Calloway or Ashy Bynes, there is demand for what they are selling. I have no doubt that Caroline Calloway, now that she has put her tour back on and is apparently trying to organize it a little bit better, thank the Lord, she will sell out. I have no doubt that Ashy will continue to do the Girls Weekend Away and will continue to sell out. She did her first weekend at the very beginning of the year. Now she's already sold out her second weekend where I think 24 women are going along. So off the top of my head, that's already about $50,000 that she's making. They have demand and they also have women who love them. So what I want to talk about now is how do you weigh that up? If someone like Ashy Bynes, for example, has followers who look at her almost like a guru or a messiah or a god and they say that she has completely overhauled their life and made it better and made it brighter – How do we balance that with the women who feel scammed and wronged by her? And where does she actually sit? Well, this is what I find interesting because I I have far less of an issue with Ashley's weekend away as I do her business as a whole. And I think that's where we should channel our conversations. When it comes to young women and money, like we keep saying, you need to be careful. And I don't think we have these conversations enough. Instagram... I think for Ashy Bynes, she's selling, like we said, a lifestyle. She is selling not just an exercise program, but she's selling an entire version of herself. And Instagram sort of leverages off this because it's a platform designed just for aesthetics. You have little filtered squares that tell a story. 
I think she should be held to account when she photoshops things more than when she sort of takes money from people because when you're starting to photoshop something, you're actually selling a business that's a lie because not even you're the real product. Mm. That's the issue that I have. Then on top of that, when you're not just selling a real product, you're then scamming women allegedly of money, which we have people that have told us that they feel their money has been taken. I spoke to four women who are out of hundreds of dollars. We obviously had to approach this segment from a journalistic point of view. So to do this, to talk about Ashy, we are a little bit nervous because she does have a history of taking people to court who speak ill of her. And we obviously wanted to shed light on both sides of the story. So I actually spoke to Ashy and her team. I spoke to a few Ashy fans, which we'll hear from in a little bit. And I also spoke to women who feel wronged by Ashy. For anyone not familiar with her, this is the rap sheet against her at the moment. So she's been accused of plagiarizing content from food bloggers, as in ripping their ideas and their recipes off their own blogs republishing it and then charging massive money for it like $65 just to mm. access it she has been uh she's been accused of ripping off small australian startups and exploiting them she has been accused of charging fans long after their contacts have ended and then basically disappearing to the point where these fans need to cancel their card or change bank accounts to actually stop this money coming out every month. She has called overweight women unhealthy, such as Tess Holiday. She basically implied she put a photo of Tess Holiday up and said, this can't be healthy at this size, which is problematic in my opinion. She has suggested that her program and meal plans, like you said before, Zara, could help a woman cure her cancer. She's also been known to get out, give out medical advice like how to treat depression. She told one follower not to go on medication and simply to meditate and do yoga. This is without any relevant qualification to give mental health or medical advice. She has also had her diet and meal plan be named amongst the Dietitians Association of Australia worst diets of the year, as in the most unhealthy, the most unbalanced. Which I think is all a really valid conversation that we actually should be having. I just don't understand when we project all of that anger and all of that sort of annoyance onto a weekend away that I don't think is relevant in this scenario. I agree in that with your question, which is what do we do when we have half a group of people that sort of worship this person like they are a god and half of the other half of her sort of users who feel very let down by the entire process. Um, I think that's when you take into issue her social media game. That's when you take into issue that it is sort of an echo chamber where you are, if you are deleting negative comments all the time, we have a problem Mm. for sure because then you're not representing the brand as a whole. And I think that's the kind of conversation we need to have more. When we did put these questions to Ashley, I did find one of the responses quite interesting. Yeah, so we did actually ask Ashley and her team to respond to us about blocking and removing negative comments. So this is a major problem. If you feel like you've had money wrongly taken from your account, you as a customer should be able to go to the business and rectify that really simply and easily. If you are giving critical feedback or if you are alerting a business to an issue, they should be dealing with it. However, hundreds of women say that is not the case when it comes to Ashy Bynes' fitness programs. When we put this to her and said, are you blocking customers and are you removing negative comments? She did not respond. We asked it twice, didn't respond. She did say, over the years, I've come to learn you can't please everyone. Maybe it's growing up or becoming a mum, but I've just focused on the positive and there is so much positive there. I know who I am. I know what our team does. And of course, like anyone or any business, mistakes happen, but I know we always come from a good place and I'm so proud of that. So it's the old haters, negative energy, bad vibes argument, which we get hit with a lot, right? When we might want to critique something or analyze something, we do get comments saying that's just negative energy. You're just being a hater. And that's the issue with having conversations in this climate in that you are often dismissed as being a hater or someone with negative energy. Which is super frustrating because some of the women I've spoke to, one of them has lost $400 that she never got back. And to some people listening to this, you might think, okay, $400 is $400. To someone else, that could be rent for the month. That could be living for a month that is now taken from her. That's not okay. $400 to some people is massive and we cannot underestimate how important money is to women, particularly young women. Which is where the influencer economy becomes so uh, knee-deep in issues because influencers themselves often start out from the same level as the rest of us. They get built up, they start making absurd amounts of money and it wouldn't be um, outrageous to assume their perception of money 
is completely warped when they start earning a lot of it. And sometimes it's not their fault, but it is their responsibility to try and check back in with reality because they probably don't have the same understanding of money as people who work a nine to five job. It's completely different. I did want to read out a quote from Kaylee Donaldson that I did put on our Instagram this week because I think this links Ashy and Caroline and a lot of other influencers together who might be taking money potentially irresponsibly from their followers. And Kaylee wrote, the so-called influencer economy is built by women like Callaway, those in the upper echelons of societal and financial privilege who create unfeasible fantasies of capitalism under the guise of being real, all to shill it out to the highest bidder. She may not be selling tea that makes you shit yourself or obsessing over avocados, but the intent is the same. Being competent is not charming. Scamming people out of hundreds of dollars for the chance to be real with an influencer is not good business. Other people's work and emotions are not yours to appropriate as part of a brand. What a great passage there. I just think it relates not just to Callaway but to everything because I think other people's work and emotions and their insecurities are appropriated as part of other people's brands. Yeah, of course. And so Ashley did get back to us and said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Mm. As we said, we do disagree with that. But we do want to shed light on what Ashley's followers think. I spoke on the phone to a follower and a fan who actually went to the ultimate ultimate girls week in a way shay who spoke about how much ashy has changed her life so we're going to put her quotes in here so you guys can get an idea of how much she has actually helped some people got home and i was like i cannot believe that just happened i'm not even exaggerating when i say that it was the best week of my life uh we had so much fun we made so many friends all of the girls that came we didn't know each other which was really cool because we all got to open up and just be ourselves because nobody's going to sit there and judge you as well. So it's really, really cool to just, you know, get things off our chest, open up about it, and then have Ashley and Levi and the people who do the seminars um, help you through any struggles that you're going through, which is really cool. Which is hard because I think people who have been quote-unquote scammed, which we'll be very careful to use that word, um, will find that hard to listen to. But I think it does sort of create a gray area here in that someone that might generate a lot of criticism, someone that might generate a lot of controversy can help some people. And I think it's important for us to work out why some people do worship them like messiahs to understand how the economy, the influencer economy is built, how it is. Yeah, absolutely. And some women love Ashy Bynes and have been so influenced mm. by Ashy Bynes they got matching tattoos on this weekend away. Which doesn't make any of it right, but I think it, it speaks to a an Instagram issue that we have where a lot of these people aren't held to account because of the echo chamber that they exist in. Yes, absolutely agree. And I think it's also tricky when you have some people who love you so much, they're going to get a matching tattoo with you. It's It could then be difficult in the mind to assimilate that with all this negative feedback you're getting. It's so at odds with each mm. other. And I think in the case of Ashy Bynes, there is such a stark, stark contrast between the lovers and the haters. And I don't even want to call them haters because they're not hating for no reason. I think plenty of these women have legitimate issues. Yeah, I I don't know where I sit, but I think if we always play down these conversations as woman bashing, we are going to let really powerful people get away with quite crappy behavior. Terrible behavior. And I will be happy to be called a rampant woman shamer for a long time if that's the cost. Mm. And to Ashley's credit, she did get back to us. She could have just ignored our request for comment. Totally. So I and think people, that's really good. And people do ignore a lot. Yeah. People do ignore comment, requests for comment a lot. So I think you're right. That is an important point to note. Razor Brand this week to catapult conversations about toxic masculinity into the mainstream. In their newest campaign, Gillette capitalized on our post Me Too era by showing men how important it is to be better, to stand up for women, to stand against toxic masculinity. The ad stands in stark contrast to the campaign hitting our television screens this month from Ultratune, who with Charlie Sheen at the helm, is leveraging off sexist and disrespectful attitudes to sell product. Mish, how do you consider our conversation that happened around Gillette and what it says that nobody seems bothered by Ultratune in the same way? 
It is incredibly discombobulating to read comments on the Gillette ad because I feel like maybe even the people listening to this podcast right now and you and I, Zara, we can get really comfortable in our little niche and feel like our ideas are the only ideas or the prevailing idea. The right in, Yeah, the prevailing attitude. And that's not the case, which can be really uh, unsettling to read how people actually think and feel about this Gillette ad. And I am quite confused as to why men were so offended by this. I showed it to Mitch and breathed the biggest sigh of relief when he said, oh, I like that ad. That's pretty good. Because for some reason, so many men were so sensitive about Gillette daring to ask that they behave better or expect better from each other, which was confusing. For a lot of reasons. Firstly, because in every ad we're ever sold anything as women, we're told we need to be better, right? That is the undercurrent of every single thing we're ever sold. So this is not new territory. It's it's going to sound really silly, but I think I have always read those kinds of comments that we're talking about that were so at odds with our own ideas and, and opinions and just assumed that these people can't be real because we're in our completely own bubble. But it is important for us to get out there and read these comments. For me, it's it feels like there's never been a more important time. Truly, there's never been a more important time to call out sexism and bad behavior and call for better behavior. I don't think there's never been ever been a more important time to denounce misogyny, to expose sort of a carefully constructed world or patriarchal world that that sort of lets men get away with anything. Because while men complained about being told to be better, one of them was murdering a young girl in Melbourne who was barely an adult. Mm. And I think for me, the conversation around Gillette was very angry and it was very loud and it was sort of a little all over the place and not very well ordered or structured. And it feels so jarring to me that we were having conversations about toxic masculinity and women asking men to be better and then ending the week with such a tragedy. Mm, I completely agree. I think one of the few arguments I understand is that it is a little bit jarring sometimes for a multinational company to appear to be adopting this woke stance yeah. to sell product. I, I do understand that. If it doesn't align with that brand's history, it does feel disingenuous. Mm-hmm. However, props to Gillette because what very pe- few people are discussing here is that they've put their money where their mouth is. They have released this ad and at the same time pledged to donate $1 million US a year for three years to non-profit organizations that, desi- that are designed to inspire, educate and help men. So they've already put their money. I know that's not a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of things when it comes to a brand. They didn't have to do that though. That's $3 million that could have been in their pocket that they're putting towards helping men. So for men to turn around yeah. and say, don't tell us to be better. How dare you? Like They're not giving yeah. us the money. Jesus Christ. Like this is, I think this is the, the main misunderstanding here. This ad was not a critique of men. This was a critique of a social system that tells men it's not okay to be vulnerable, to cry, or to be interested in the heart in the arts and humanities. It is critiquing a system that says men should respond to adversity with their fists. It is saying that they should not only aspire to be powerful above all else because this is the thing, toxic masculinity affects us all. It leaves us all in a place where more and more men are suiciding every year. It leaves us in a place where men's violence, not just against women, against other men, against children, is at alarming levels. And it reinforces a culture that men have to be tough and women have to be placid. And that is destructive for every single one of us, man, woman, child. That's what Gillette was saying. And I think the hardest part is to communicate to people all the time, particularly these men, that we're all on the same page and we're all actually fighting the same fight. We do want the same things as you. It's just when you are so fragile in yourself and so fragile in your ego that you cannot see past your own insecurity when it comes to watching this ad to see that we want the same things as you. I I agree in that there is always criticism of a big multinational company who want to jump on a post Me Too bandwagon. But the thing is, advertising and sort of a big international conglomerate aren't a public service. They are not here to change the world. If they try to do that as well as make money, I could not give a shit. I genuinely couldn't give a shit. Sure, I'm going to look at it and analyze it and make sure the intentions are 
overall okay that they're not being massive hypocrites that they are sort of doing practical things to enforce change but i don't know why in this world where we criticize companies for not taking a stand which we're about to when we criticize companies for actively doing harm why we would possibly criticize one for trying to do good the other thing that I think has been sort of misconstrued here or not mentioned at all is Jane Cairo wrote on Twitter this week that this is not really an ad for men. This is an ad for women. Women do the shopping. Gillette know that. Women are going to be the ones buying Gillette now because of this ad, not men. They've done exactly what they wanted to do. Also, anyone who says that it was a bad mm. commercial decision is clearly forgetting Nike's very successful campaign featuring Colin Kaepernick last year, which caused similar controversy, yeah. plenty of backlash in 2018, and yet Nike enjoyed massive financial success with an increasingly progressive customer base. So their sales increased by 36% after that ad, resulting in $6 billion to the company's name. So anyone who turns around and says, Gillette are idiots, they've lost all these customers – probably wrong they've probably got a like a massive team of researchers who have thought behind this and really put a lot of work into it and i wouldn't mind betting that in the long term it pays off oh yeah this is not a stab in the dark also when was the last time any of us ever mentioned gillette truly i don't think i've ever said that word out loud (laughs) the best a man can get Yeah, exactly i i feel i do genuinely feel very sad this week I think because it's been such a big week not just for conversations about toxic masculinity but for conversations around violence against women and we are so often told when it comes to conversations about Gillette or conversations we're about to have about Ultratune that we need to have calm and measured conversations about violence and sexism and disrespect in order to get men on our side that being outrageous or being sort of loud and annoying or whatever it might be won't get anyone unsigned. And I think we're often told that we need to tiptoe around their egos, that we need to quietly and politely indulge their fragility in order for them and and to listen to them before they listen to us. And I used to think that was the only pragmatic way forward, that if we do want to have productive conversations, we need to be very measured in them. I'm really tired of pragmatism this week. I'm so tired of it. I'm so shaken this week. I'm really sad and I'm really, really angry. And I'm angry at people trying to hijack a conversation that belongs to us. I am tired of them making us feel like we need to jump through hoops for putting hurdles in front of us in order to say what we want to say. I'm just tired of some men not understanding that the way they talk about us, the way they joke about us, that that stuff is crucial to our safety now because sexism and disrespect informs violence later. How have we gotten to a place where a woman can be murdered and the knee-jerk reaction is sympathise with men? That I can feel unsafe walking home from the gym last night for the first time in seven months since Eurydice Dixon died and everyone online is saying, don't upset the men. Don't say mean things to men, not all men. This is not a time to talk about men's fragility and men's egos. I don't give a fuck if you're offended by me saying that I feel unsafe on the street, that's a reality. And it's a reality of the culture that we've all paved and we all need to work, particularly men to men need to work to make this better. It is not our job to make men feel comfortable in this conversation. I have never felt this more. I have always been so logical and so pragmatic about it being like the reality is we need to make them feel safe and wanted and loved and worthy in order for us to have this conversation. And I actually don't have it in me anymore. I'm tired of the emotional labor it actually takes to explain to these kinds of men in particular that toxic masculinity is this. It is the things in the Gillette ad, or it is, you know what? It's allowing men accused of horrendous crimes to front international campaigns for Ultratune. It's linking something like stereotypically and inherently masculine, like cars, to guys who use macho-like imposing characters to brutalise women. We are talking about Charlie Sheen and Ultratune. Yeah, so it's hilarious to me that as men tweeted this week about what good guys they are, very, very few seem to care about the fact that this week Ultratune released their third campaign in as many years with a domestic abuser as the star. I will repeat that. Ultratune in three years has had three ambassadors, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Mike Tyson, Charlie Sheen. Each of those men have been accused of the most disgusting, vile acts against women, and yet all of the good guys jumping up and down about Gillette daring to ask them to hold each other to account have not said a fucking word 
about Ultratune's ads. We've been jumping up and down about fucking Gillette. And while nobody gives a shit about Charlie Sheen and Ultratune, I do not understand why Ultratune have got away with it for so long. Well, I don't understand, but I kind of can see it now because it plays into this idea that it's all a joke, right? That that jokes don't matter. That jokes at the expense of women don't matter. The stakes now are way too high for us to let this go because jokes matter. There was a great tweet from Daniel Andrews this week in the wake of A.M. Aswari's death. And he said, until we recognize that while not all disrespectful behavior towards women leads to violence, all violence towards women starts with disrespect. And let's talk about Ultratune because these kinds of jokes matter. You want to joke at our expense? Great. That's going to lead to somebody dying. And I know that sounds really heavy. and I know that sounds really dramatic, but it's true. It's like all paving the way to a really, really perilous end. Um, let's go through the rap sheet of these guys. Please do. So the first ambassador and star of these Ultratune ads was Jean-Claude Van Damme. He allegedly repeatedly beat his first wife on one occasion, injuring her so badly she required hospital treatment. That ad was followed with ads with Mike Tyson at the helm. He is a convicted rapist. He has admitted to bashing seven women in his hotel room in a drug-fueled rage and admitted to beating his first wife. Is there a threat emerging here? Not quite sure. Then we had Charlie Sheen, which emerged this week. We've spoken about Charlie before, but for anyone who hasn't heard that episode, he accidentally shot his then fiance in the arm. He pleaded no contest to slamming his then girlfriend's head into a marble floor. And he has been the subject of no less than three apprehended violence orders taken out by former partners. On one occasion, he threatened to send his girlfriend's head in a box to her mother. There's that. So why aren't we all outraged at Ultratune? Like, where are, where are all the men talking about this? If we are really going to boycott a brand for politely asking us to be better when Ultratune is championing men who assault, punch, kick, shoot and rape women, why? Like, why? Do you know what I keep thinking? Their budget must be fucking huge to pay these people, which means that there are people opening their wallets and paying Ultratune every second of every day of every week. The other thing to consider is the same networks, right? The same television networks who are calling Aya's death a tragedy and an absolute outrage and so devastating and a blight on our city are the same networks who are probably running this bullshit and making money off a brand that actively pushes an anti-woman narrative. And you guys might be listening to this and think we're being vulgar, but I think it's very, very hard for us to not get upset by this when this affects us. And I think... You need to, if you're listening to this, ask yourself, do you get your car service there? Does your boyfriend, does your dad, does your mum? Because you need to talk to them about this. Play them this segment. Ask them, which ad are they more offended by? The one that asks you to respect women or the one that normalises beating them? I think when it comes to this week as well, I mean, the world can feel horrific and it can feel evil and we don't often know what power we have, right? We don't know how to create change because how do you reform a monster? How do you undo evil? In this instance, we do have power. We have power to close our wallets in supporting a brand that does leverage off disrespecting women because these are the kinds of things that build up the foundations for a society that allow other men to hate women so much that they murder them. Yeah, and I think there is a positive to take out of this. We, when we started this podcast, we didn't, we never envisaged it becoming the community it has become. And I think there is power in numbers and we might be a small community, but we're also an engaged community. Mm-hmm. And I think we can actually push this. I think if Gillette's going to go viral for trying to do a good thing, why the hell can't we make Ultratune go viral for being so disgusting? I think as women, we can feel so powerless, like you just said, but there is something about it this time. If we want attitudes to change, we can do something. And we've had an idea that we want to get out there to try and change or try and I think even educate people I think the majority of people who see these ultra tune ads have not connected the dots don't even know the history the personal lives of these men they probably don't know that these men have abused and raped and beaten women or been accused of doing so yeah allegedly and I think what we want to do is make sure that we are using the power of social media and power of the community that we have to call them to account. We want you to share this shit on social media. We want you to talk about it in the Facebook group. We want you to make it go public. Yes. So we have come up with a hashtag, which is courtesy of my sister, Evelyn. Was it Evelyn's? Yes, yeah, Evelyn's. Hashtag ultra tone deaf. We want to get that hashtag 
going on social media. We have made memes. If you go to our Instagram page this morning, you will see them there. We've also made Instagram stories that you can click on. We're going to save them so they'll be on our profile. You can click on them, screenshot it and share it if you want to share it on your Instagram story to try and get people to realize UltraTune is using domestic abusers to push their products. And if we're having a conversation about Gillette, then God knows we're having one about UltraTune. I... I, I really want people to get behind this. I think we're going to get behind this because I used to kind of consider that driving a conversation about toxic masculinity and sexism and how disrespect feeds into violence as like conducting a train, right? That we were always going in the right direction, but we had to stop at every station to pick up the men who have pain, who we've painstakingly spent hours trying to explain the importance of this kind of thing to, to, to convince them that it's a nice, helpful, productive train to get on. Right now I am this close to throttling the train and leaving everybody behind because I'm tired of stopping at every station to let people on board. Mm. So I think we just push this conversation as much as we possibly can and go as hard as we can and channel that anger and sadness that I haven't felt in such a long time to do something good because if you do feel powerless this is how you take the power back yeah and I do want to give voice to unlike UltraTune brands like Lube Mobile, Repco, Kmart, Tire and Auto and your local mechanic probably don't use domestic abusers to push their business just go to the local mechanic yeah I get behind the hashtag go to our social media we will be sharing it all over our Instagram page this week hashtag ultra tone deaf we want men in particular to know what helping this business and giving this business your money does for women I think that's where we're going to end today because there is a lot there. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We know it was a long one, but we think it's also an important one. Um, Please share it with the men in your life even. Just give them the time code of when this segment started and tell them to listen because I think a lot of men don't know the history behind these men and these ads. They really don't. If you want to continue the conversation, come and find us on Instagram. We are at Shameless Podcast. That is where you'll find all the social things that we want you to share. We can continue the conversation in the Facebook group, Shameless Podcast Community. We would love for you to join that too. It is a pretty thriving community now and we love having you all in there. So come and join there. Um, If you also want to rate and review we're not going to complain about that. <laughs> I don't want to finish on too much of a negative I know, note. But I feel a bit. Zara looks a bit depleted. <sighs> I think it's important and I think we can do something really positive with what we've just discussed. It doesn't need to be something super negative. We can now turn this around and make it something that actually pushes positivity. No, and I think that's exactly the point is that how do you turn a negative into a positive? This is what we're going to try and do. Yeah. We will see you guys next Monday for regular programming. In the meantime, we'll see you on social media. Thank, Thank you, so you so much, much. guys. Bye. Bye. Oh, hi, it's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time <laughs> to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.